This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Howdy, happy Wednesday, everybody. 10th day of January 2024. It is indeed Dan Grosser Show live and in living color right here on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We're taking it right up until 9 o'clock. Then we got Larry and Gordon. Gordon and Larry, the dynamic duo who are going to carry you for the remainder of the evening. We've got Harvey. We've got Joe. They are producing the program tonight. You get me on the old X as well, at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. I was just checking with the guys. I don't I, I don't know. I mean, I could easily just look because we have recorded information, as a matter of fact. But I was wondering aloud if this is our first full show or a full vehicle of 2024. I mean, it's only 10 days old, but you throw in the weekends and everything, and plus the games that sometimes stand in the way of our little get-togethers here at night. But I think this is the first one, right? I, I, I mean, are we ready for this? I mean, I don't know. Are, are, are we in shape? You know, has it been too long? Are we going to run out of steam? Like, how goes it? I don't even know. And I'll tell you how out of whack and out of sorts I am right now. Is that I have my little calendar planner thingy that I kind of run my life through. I don't even have it with me. Don't even have it with me. Just checked in the bag, nowhere to be found. You know why? Because I have the 2024 edition. And you take all the contents from 2023, and certainly some have to be transferred over to 2024, like the important stuff, like, you know, your mother's birthday, things like that. You know, that might slip your mind every so often. Not that that does, but I'm just saying. So, yeah, it's nowhere to be found because I don't have it with me because I think I was in the process of doing all the transfer stuff. So I'm kind of like a chicken with his head cut off right now. You're a process guy? That's how you say it? I'm a process guy. That's right. I'm from Saskatchewan, born and raised. What's that about? It's how we roll. But anyway, we're doing a full show tonight. We're going to have some fun. We're going to have some laughs. We'll talk a little sports as well. Jordan Renan is going to join us coming up about 7.30. He covers the Giants for us here at ESPN. And the Giants are going to be in the news here tonight. Why? Well, because doesn't seem like anybody wants to coach a Brian Dayball next year. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Well, at least Wink Martindale doesn't. He's not going to be. So the Giants already out of special teams coordinator, out of defensive coordinator, out a couple of other defensive assistants. Offensive line coach needs to be filled. So you drive by East Rutherford there, whether it's on Route 3 or the New Jersey Turnpike, whatever you're doing, you pass that giant facility, you know, you walk up to the front door, they might have that piece of paper hanging right outside the entrance where you pull down those little tabs. You know, like when you leave the supermarket, they have those things up there, like, you know, to clean your house, like the housekeepers and stuff, like pull down off one of the strips, and then the person's phone number's on it, you know, guitar lessons, you, you pull down the... You want to coach football for the New York Giants... You walk up there, there's plenty of open positions right now. At least not Brian Dayball's staff. Hey, you want to coach football? You think you got what it takes? Well, we're the right place for you. All kidding aside, though, what a wild, wild day when it comes to the coaching fraternity. You know, not just here in the city with the Giants, and, you know, we're going to spend plenty of time on that, but, I mean, league-wide, nationwide, both collegiate and pro, And in case you're just joining us right now, we had the shocker earlier this afternoon where Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks decide to part ways, although it was more the decision of the franchise saying that they wanted to go in a different direction. And you know what? 72 years of age, you can't fault them. And Pete Carroll's been there for a very, very long time. I'm not saying that he can't coach at that age, but sometimes when a guy's been there as long as Pete Carroll has, which is a decade and a half, you know, you want to turn over a new leaf. 
breath of fresh air, maybe incorporate some new ideas. There's nothing wrong with that, right? And I don't think the Seattle Seahawks, at least for the last, off the top of my head, I would say a good five years, in my opinion, have been considered a Super Bowl contender, a legitimate Super Bowl contender. So they want to get to that point. You know, winning nine games, having a winning season, maybe competing for a wild card berth. You know, that's good for some franchises. But for Seattle, they said, well, okay, this is played a little bit. We want to go in a different direction. So they're going to have a new coaching search. We'll see where it ends up. But again, Pete Carroll, legendary coach. Guys had a phenomenal, phenomenal career, both in the college game, winning championships at Southern Cal, the stops along the way in the National Football League. You know, got his first crack at being an NFL head coach with the Jets in 1994, and we know how that ended. But then he goes on to New England and then ultimately finds his way to Seattle where he won a championship, should have won two, but had a really, really good run. And hands down, he's the best head coach in the history of that franchise, and he's had a wonderful, wonderful career. A lot of enthusiasm. You wouldn't know that he's over 70 years of age with the way he conducts himself. And even said on Monday, you know, Sunday night after that last game, the season finale, he still planned on coaching, still wanted to be the coach, but the organization had different ideas. Then about an hour ago, or maybe a little less, we get even more shocking news that the great Nick Saban is calling it quits down at the University of Alabama. And I don't think that there were any sort of clues or indicators or warning signs when his season came to an end last week losing that Rose Bowl game to the eventual champion Michigan Wolverines, then maybe it was going to be Nick Saban's last stop, and he'd be riding off into the sunset. He didn't really say anything which would have, you know, leading up to the game or after the game, which would make you doubt that, well, you know, this this could be it for him. But he's another guy who's a septuagenarian, 72 years of age, seven national championships. I'd say he's pretty damn good, and he had an outstanding career. Now, I don't know this to be true. We haven't heard from Nick Saban yet. We'll hear from him in the next couple of days. But, you know, as is the case with a lot of these coaches, guys who have accomplished a heck of a lot in the profession, the landscape of at least college sports is changing, where it's not as cut and dry as it used to be. Now there's a lot more intensive detail you have to put into it. And with the transfer portals and with NILs, you know, just even retaining your players, That's a lot more work than normally what you bargained for and what you did for so many years. It's not just, hey, let's go out on the road and recruit. No, I have to almost re-recruit my current roster and convince them to stay. Not to go pro, but I'm just talking about up and leaving to go to another university that may present to them more financial earning opportunities. That's where things have changed. And from some, I'm sure somebody at Nick Saban's age is like, you know what? I've had a good run. I don't need all this extra aggravation. And oh, by the way, a guy like Nick Saban at a powerhouse like the University of Alabama, he don't have to worry about not getting players that maybe he would want to get because he has every sort of resource, every sort of booster, every sort of opportunity that he could stand on as far as cachet and the clout and the prestige of what Alabama brings. I mean, he's got everything. But sometimes that ain't enough. In the wild, wild west, which has now become college sports, and recruiting players and keeping players on your team. You know, look at a guy, and and he and Jay's younger, but look at what Jay Wright and, and did leaving Villanova and stepping away from coaching a couple of years ago. You know, Jay, I think, is 60 years there. When he walked away, he was 60 years old, won a couple of national championships, accomplished everything he could accomplish at Villanova, and he said, you know what, I'm good. You know, I'm good. Batteries on empty. Because it's a lot more work than it used to be. And Saban could go do TV now if he wants to, and he could get a nice paycheck doing that, and he's not going to have to work eight days a week 
and spend countless hours either on the road or in his office or practicing. Doesn't have to worry about all that stuff. Go enjoy his life, and he doesn't even have to do the TV. He doesn't doesn't have to work a day. (laughs) He's got enough money for, you know, countless lifetimes, for generations of savings. But the coaching profession just got a little bit worse today with those two guys now no longer currently employed at their respective jobs. And as far as our two football teams in this town, well, there's not going to be any major change as far as the Jets are concerned. And the Giants, on the other hand, you know, that's going to be at least the situation that's a little bit more interesting going into the next year and first this offseason about how is Brian Dayball going to round out this staff. Mike Kafka is already getting interest to interview for head coach openings. I think it was the Tennessee Titans that have requested permission to interview Kafka to be a head coach. Now, I don't know how much of a serious candidate he would be to be an NFL head coach, but still, I mean, you've already lost two of your coordinators. To have to replace all three, that might be a lot. You know, sometimes the transition is smooth, sometimes it's not. Look at the Philadelphia Eagles, what they're going through right now. You can't tell me that losing both coordinators off of a Super Bowl team like they were a year ago and Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen getting head coaching opportunities this year and and, and you're not at least feeling the brunt of that. And maybe it's kind of taken its toll and played itself out over the course of a long season. And that's why Philadelphia's dealing with the struggles that they're dealing with right now. But when it comes to the Giants, though, and the Wink Martindale situation, look, I, I, I get it, right? I get it. And I said it last night on the show. You're Brian Dayball. You're the head coach of this team, right? You are the guy. The buck stops with you. And if Wink Martindale or any other assistant coach out there wants to curse you out and, you know, get what? That's insubordination right there. Can't do that. You gone. And he could have easily been fired. Instead, he walked up and walked out. Wink Martindale's a good coach, but you know what? Every coach, they all have an expiration date. He had one in Baltimore, and I guess his came a little bit sooner here with the New York football Giants. So now they got to go out there and find somebody to run this defense. Who, who, who's that going to be? I have no idea. You know, Leslie Frazier might get back into coaching. Leslie Frazier's a guy who was an NFL head coach, was with Brian Dayball up there in Buffalo when Frazier was the defensive coordinator. But Leslie Frazier is also somebody that is getting interest as a potential NFL head coach again, right? Because the guy had some success as a coach when he was running the Minnesota Vikings. You know, Antonio Pierce's name has been thrown out there already. But what if Antonio Pierce gets the Raiders job full-time, right? I know that that would be a nice Christmas story and bring Antonio Pierce back home. He was part of that defense that shocked the world and the New England Patriots back in 2007 and winning the Super Bowl. It would be a great story, but I don't think Antonio Pierce is sitting there saying, hey, I want to be a defensive coordinator for the New York Giants or anybody else out there because I got to sit in the big chair. For the last couple of months, I got to run my own program and he wants to be the head coach. His first priority is probably making sure he gets the Raider gig. And if not that one, maybe another. So it's going to be tricky how this thing plays itself out here. But you never know which move is going to just jump out from behind the wall there and shock us when it comes to these coaching moves. There's seven openings right now in the National Football League. And guess what? It's probably going to be more. If I had to wager a guess, I would say that we're not done. The New England situation still has to resolve itself. I don't think that it's a certainty in any way, shape, or form that Bill Belichick is coming back to coach that team next year. And right now, you read the tea leaves, it sounds like he's not. And the Patriots probably want to make sure that if indeed they are going to move on from him, that, you know what, they'll play the game 
where they try to engage another club in negotiations and try to get themselves some compensation for a guy who's considered the best coach that ever walked the sideline. And then you got a bunch of football games this weekend, super wild card weekend. And you know as well as I do that there's going to be a team whose season's going to come to an end, whether it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday night, whatever. And that that coach, whoever it might be, is probably going to leave a little to be desired in the minds of the brass of whatever organization that is. And they might decide, you know what? We rode this thing as far as we could. I don't think that there's any more upside with this current regime. Let's make a change. Kind of like the Seattle Seahawks felt a little bit with Pete Carroll today, I guess. And you don't want to make the same mistake that the Chargers made after last year when they should have pulled the plug on their head coach after blowing a 27-point lead to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they should have bagged him right there and then. Instead, they ran it back with him this season only to fire him before the season was even over. So they essentially just wasted an entire year with Brandon Staley. I couldn't remember his name. I was drawing a blank. Do you see that stall tactic I used? They should teach that in journalism classes. You just use the generic term Chargers head coach, and then you sit there and talk and talk and talk while your brain is trying to remember what the guy's name was, and then it eventually came to me, and so I said, Brandon Staley. See that, kids? Take notes. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Like I said, I'm fired up for the show. We're going to have some fun tonight. Why? Because we got no choice. We're here till 9 o'clock. Jordan Renan is going to join us. Talk a little Giants coming up at 7.30. We'll talk some Knicks. Forget about losing. The Knicks may never trail another time the rest of the season. They might not. Right? I don't think they've trailed in the last, what, three games? I mean, it's just like wire to wire to wire. This team is a machine. Oh, no, yeah, they're going to Dallas tomorrow to play the Mavericks. Guess who's not playing in that game, guys? Guess who's not playing? His name rhymes with Luka. Not playing. Now, you can't just walk in there and say, oh, it's a guaranteed win, but that certainly makes the job a little bit easier, don't you think? So we'll get into the hoop stuff, a little hot stove baseball, even though spring training is, what, a little over a month away? But the Yankees are in the news. The Mets unveiled a couple of their new acquisitions. Both of them used to play for the Yankees, ironically enough. A lot on the table today. We're going to have some fun. And oh, by the way, a little bit later on in the program, I know the guys probably wouldn't want to go there, but we are going to revisit a little game we played back in September with Harvey and Joe and myself when we did the over-under picks for the NFL season. But now we got to add it all up because the season's over. We know who's over. We know who's under. We'll see how we did. We suck. <laughs> I'm glad you made that plural, guys. I'm glad you made it plural. This, this podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. I see why you're playing this. See, Harvey's on top of stuff. 25 years ago today, you believe it? 25 years ago today, we were introduced to a family from North Jersey. I'd say that family uh, struck a chord. Sopranos debut. I can't believe it's... Uh, you talk about feeling old. 25 years ago. I actually did not pick up on it until season two. While it was still going on. Like, I, I missed the entire first season. And I remember just as the second season was about to premiere. Because it was like the winter of like 99 or 2000. Something like that. Um they started showing all, and this was, remember, before the days of DVR and all those other things on demand. Um, I remember HBO started trotting out the first season again in the lead up to season two. So that's when I went back and I started watching the season one again, and then I was all caught up, ready for the second season, and then hooked ever since. So 25 years. Hell of a hell of a nice run. Show that man the respect he deserves. Damn right. Absolutely. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Uh, before we get to the phones... Here was a little bit of Pete Carroll earlier today, had the press conference in Seattle and said, despite what others were maybe reporting or speculating, he still wanted a coach. I competed pretty hard to be the coach, just so you know, because I just wanted to make sure that I stood up for all of our coaches and the players and the things that we had accomplished, and not so that we could be the coach still, but so that we could continue to have a chance to be successful and keep the organization going. That's what I was fighting for. So in that regard, that was what I was representing in our discussions, and we got to a good part, a good clean spot where it made sense, and I went along with, the, with their intentions. And he's going to stay on as an advisor with the organization, still get a nice paycheck, I'm sure, and a lot less stressful work. Um, and he says he's proud of the culture they built. What I am most proud of is that we took a culture that we developed there in, in those college days and came here to see if you cared for people deeply and you loved them for who they were and tried to find the extraordinary uniqueness that made them them and celebrate that and not try to make them something that they're not and not try to expect them to be something other than that, but try to see if we can capture that, that extraordinary uniqueness that they had and celebrate that with them. Let's see what happens. Well, at SC, we killed it. And we came up here and overall we've been successful for a long time. I, I didn't think any way that this would happen like this. Didn't have that vision, but I'm grateful for it because what we have here, we have an extraordinary culture and I'm really proud of that. The guys that are here know. Guys that come here and leave know. Guys that haven't been here before and they show up here, they're shocked and really that happens because you guys continue to celebrate it and keep it going and, and I'm able to keep calling on you guys to illustrate what it's all about and this is a very special place because of all of that and I'm, I'm grateful. You know, you, you, all, all kidding aside, 
All his time in Seattle, so 14 years, he only had three losing seasons. And I understand that, it, you know, in, in the minds of some that it became a little bit stale, but can you imagine that? Like, in a 14-year period, you only have three losing seasons, and they were seven win seasons. It's not like they were, you know, two and 14. They bottomed out at seven wins in 14 years. All right, the Jets have won seven games in back-to-back seasons. That's almost been like the high mark for the last 15. So it's easy to just scoff at it and say, oh, well, you know, that's kind of played. Let's go in a different direction. There's some organizations and some fan bases that would give their right arm to have that type of success over a 14-year run. And look, I remember when he took that job, it was kind of looked at as, remember the Sharks started hovering around the program in Southern Cal when he was there. With all these infractions and violations and the Reggie Bush stuff, right? And, and, and you could tell, like, they smelled blood in the water. And when he made the jump to the NFL and took the Seattle job, you looked at it at the time and said, no, oh, this is just Pete trying to get one of those escape rafts off of the Titanic and trying to get steer clear of the NCAA and the book that they were about to throw at Southern Cal. Because in 2010, when he took the Seattle Seahawks job, that was not considered a marquee destination, all right, Seattle was not thought of as a, you know, primo fa- uh, franchise in the National Football League, even though Holmgren had just got done there and they were in a Super Bowl five years before. But you didn't look at the Seattle Seahawks back in 2010 like you look at the Seattle Seahawks today. The 12s had not happened. That was not considered one of the most difficult places to play. So he had a hand in that, and they built something. And that was a pretty special group. And they, you know, probably should have been called a dynasty, should have won back-to-back championships, and... Coaches outsmarting themselves is why they didn't. Deciding to throw a pass play at the three-yard line instead of just giving it to the battering ram and Marshawn Lynch and put it into the end zone, then we'd be sitting here talking about a two-time champ instead of just the one Super Bowl. But we get so jaded as a sports community that when you look at somebody after all that time and they only won one Super Bowl, that it was a failure or that it wasn't good enough, it's hard to win, right? It's hard to win to stay competitive, and to be a part of the conversation each and every year for a long period of time. And that's what they accomplished. I guarantee you either one of the fan bases in this city would sign up for that type of a run over the next decade and a half. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's get to the phones, shall we? Let's say hi to Mike in New Jersey, who's first up on 98.7. Michael, how are you? I'm fine, but I think we're going to have a big disagreement in the next five minutes. Why is that? I enjoy your work. Thank you. Because I'm a, I'm a Seahawks fan, and I can tell you. Oh, you poor, poor baby. You there, poor baby, well, well, Mike. Not, well, 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 don't, don't antagonize me at first. I'm, you know, I'm just going to make some valiant points. Okay. Just, again, you say he helped build it up. I said I can argue that he helped destroy it, too, because he was, they were never the same after that Super Bowl with that gas. <laughs> I'm not just acknowledging what he did for the franchise, the wins, the consistency. But something that was so dumb, and as Doug Baldwin said, we do that. Now, I could go back and forth with that. Obviously, it was a stupid play. It was the I dumbest. Mike, I agree I, with you. Mike, I agree with you there. It was the dumbest play, yeah. the dumbest decision in Super Bowl history. Yes. And I could say that, oh, well, you know what? I can go back on the defense and say, don't give up 10 points in the fourth quarter. But I'll go to the, the, um, the interim, the instant, and be like, All right, you know what? Like Doug Baldwin said. If they would have stopped him four times at the goal line, everybody on that team could have lived with that. If it goes the way it was supposed to go, quote-unquote, everybody's coming back ramped up. I don't know if they would have been able to beat Cam Newton in his MVP year to go for a possible three-peat. But I know, like you just said, for a fact, that would have been back-to-back. 
and the team was never the same after that. The defense wasn't the same. The trust was gone. And he has to own some type of accountability for that, which, honestly, he's never done. Yeah, but Mike, Mike, you know why the t- Mike, you know why the team was never the same? And I thank you for the phone call, by the way. And why the defense was never the same and all this other stuff. Because there's this thing in the NFL called the salary cap. All right? And that team, which was built on the strength of that defense and the Legion of Boom, there came a point where if you wanted to keep that together, you had to start to pay all those guys. And you were only able to do that for so long. You know why? Because when you went to the Super Bowls, you had a quarterback who was, what, a third-round pick on a rookie contract making no money. And then ultimately there became a point where you had to then pay your quarterback. And just like any other team does in that situation, when you have to give a franchise quarterback a boatload of money, you got to make tough decisions and say goodbye to other players. Plus some of those guys got old in a hurry in that secondary. You know, Sherman had to move on. Cam Chancellor retired, essentially. He wasn't the same because of the way he, the physicality that he brought to the field each and every week. It happens, right? But look at what they did the last two years. Winning seasons, resurrecting Geno Smith. Geno Smith thought that his days as a starting quarterback in the NFL were done. So I, I, I respect your opinion, Mike, as a fan. I do, and you feel about it one way. But you and I also have two different definitions of the word destroy. Because if destroying something is losing or finishing up with a 7-10 and 10 record and not being any worse than that and then having back-to-back winning seasons on your way out, I could give you a lot better examples of destruction than that.